Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to this La Liga Lowdown podcast. I'm your host, June McTeer. And we're going to be hearing from various contributors as we discuss one of the most unique stories in Spanish football. It's the story of Spain's only ever football gold medal at the Olympic Games. In 1992, the Olympic Games came to Spain, to Catalonia, to Barcelona. Spain had not qualified for the football event at the Olympics in 1984 or in 1988 in the USA or South Korea, but this time they were in as the host nation. Spain and 15 other teams would compete to try to win the gold medal in men's football. And Spain had an excellent opportunity because they had a truly excellent squad. To talk us through the Spanish squad and coach, for the 1992 Olympic Games football tournament. Here's Matt Clark. Spain were led into the Olympic Games on home soil by Vicente Miera, who was a very familiar face and an experienced coach. As a player, he had won seven La Liga titles and a European Cup with Real Madrid in the 1960s. As a coach, he had won promotion with both Real Oviedo and Sporting Gijón, clubs he had two separate spells with. He was also briefly in charge at Espanyol and Atletico Madrid. In 1991, he took over as head coach of the senior Spanish national team, midway through their campaign to qualify for the 1992 European Championships. Unfortunately, Spain failed to qualify, and Miera presided over a 2-0 defeat to Iceland before losing to group winners France on home soil. He left the post at the end of the campaign and was given the brief to lead the youth squad into the Olympics. You will no doubt be familiar with some of those squad members, but some of them may be less well known. So here's the lowdown on the main men. The goalkeeping name that jumps out is that of Santi Canizares, the legendary stopper who went on to win 11 trophies during his time at Real Madrid and Valencia. He was capped 46 times by the national team, but he actually didn't play at all in this Olympic tournament. The starting keeper was Tony Jimenez, who was coming through the ranks at Barcelona, close to where he was born. A relative unknown at the time of the Olympics, he had been on loan at Figueres as well as featuring in the junior Spain teams but he had no top-level experience. Interestingly, this tournament was the first to adopt the new revolutionary backpass rule, preventing keepers from picking up the ball from a defensive backpass, often previously used to waste time and play defensively. Tony was therefore one of the first to play under this new rule. He went on to play the majority of his career at Espanyol, earning promotion in his first season there before winning the Zamora Trophy in 1997-98. Following his retirement, He is linked up with Mauricio Pochettino, working as his goalkeeping coach at Espanyol, Southampton and most recently Tottenham. Albert Ferrer was already well established by the time of the 92 games. Another Barca youth product, 
he spent a season at Tenerife to gain top flight experience before returning to Camp Nou. In his first season, he was integral in the title-winning side, and the following year he was crucial again in Barca's incredible 1991-92 season, in which they won the Supercopa, La Liga and their first European Cup. Ferrer was accompanied by club teammate and fellow Catalan Pep Guardiola, who was also a key part of Barcelona's success under Johan Cruyff. His midfield partner was current Spain head coach Luis Enrique, who at the time was establishing himself at Real Madrid, having started his career at Sporting Gijón. Luis Enrique and forward Alfonso Pérez joined up with the squad off the back of a Copa del Rey final with added spice. It was a Madrid derby. It was the red and white half of Madrid that were celebrating though, including centre-backs Roberto Solo Zabal and Juanma López, also members of the Olympic squad. Atleti had won back-to-back coppers and Solo Zabal had started both finals. Another important component of Miera's squad was Rafael Berges, who, in the summer of 1991, made the move from relative obscurity at hometown club Córdoba in Segunda B right up to Primera División after signing for Tenerife. After spending two years there, he went on to feature for Celta Vigo throughout the 1990s and is currently coaching in Indonesia. Another name that should be more familiar to La Liga fans is Abelardo Fernández. He is currently trying to save Espanyol from relegation, having performed similar miracles with Alaves. But back in 1992, he was forging his career as a tough tackling centre-back at Sporting Gijón and had European experience under his belt, having played in the UEFA Cup. The man selected to score the goals was Kiko, a lively forward from Cadiz, who made his debut as a fresh-faced 18-year-old in April 1991. Despite only appearing late into that season, he would play a pivotal role in the great Cadiz escape. On the final day of the regular season, Cadiz were rock bottom and trailing at home to Real Zaragoza with only 10 minutes of the season remaining. Kiko, on as a sub, was fouled in the box which allowed Cadiz to draw level but it still wasn't enough. A couple of minutes later he scored his first senior goal and how important it was. The win enabled them to avoid automatic relegation and compete in the promotion playoffs in which they prevailed. The following season, Kiko was an ever-present and he scored eight goals as Cadiz repeated the trick of staying up via the postseason playoffs. Kiko went into the Olympics in buoyant mood. Clearly, this squad had a fantastic blend of character and experience. From the fresh-faced youngsters keen to make their mark to their contemporaries already well-versed in elite competition, Miera had a lot of boxes ticked. Many of the squad had a wealth of experience in a variety of competitions, which would only stand them in good stead for the pressures of representing their country in a home Olympics. So those were the players selected to try to win gold for Spain, and it was indeed a home Olympics for them, but that home wasn't actually Barcelona. There were five venues for this tournament, the Camp Nou, which would hold the final, Espanyol's Estadio de Saria, Sabadell's Estadio de la Nova Creo Alta, Zaragoza's La Romareda, and one other stadium the one where Spain played every fixture apart from the final. To talk about this special stadium and the matches held there, here's Paco Pollitt. Talking properly about Spain's soar in the 1992 Olympics is impossible without mentioning the place where they sought protection and confidence during the knockout stages and later on the tournament. We're talking, of course, of the Mestalla ground. Well, actually, Mestalla wasn't the name of the stadium. It had been changed to Estadio Luis Casanova in 1969 as a tribute to one of Valencia's best presidents ever. 
A few years later, Spain was chosen as the host for the 1982 World Cup, so Estadio Luis Casanova underwent some severe remodeling works in order to be as pretty as possible for the big event. Those works, by the way, sent Valencia into a huge financial crisis, but that's a story we shall remember another day. Ten years later, Valencia and the Luis Casanova Stadium were once again picked by the Spanish Federation as the main ground for the team's fixtures. The city was buzzing with excitement because football, as you already know, is an absolute religion over here. Leaving a potential final out of the cards because the Olympic Games were held in Barcelona, after all, Valencia would prove to be a mighty stronghold for the team throughout the tournament. And the first game against Colombia, played July 24th, 1992, proved this with a spectacular win. 4-0 with an opener by Pep Guardiola, a second goal from Atletico's legend Kiko Narvaez with a clinical finish, Berges from Tenerife tapping in the third, and an incredible Luis Enrique goal to finish this thrashing after juggling the ball with his chest and delivering an impossible lob for the keeper. Spain's debut couldn't be better. The only lackluster issue in the first game was the lack of a full house attendance. Actually, few people showed up, with only 18,000 in attendance in a stadium capable of holding up to 55,000. This would be eventually solved as Spain kept winning games. The second one against Egypt showed a much healthier picture in the standings. With fans waving plastic Spanish flags delivered for free at the entrance of the stadium, Solo Zabal scored the opener with an easy header inside the box and later Chichi Soler capped the 2-0 score with a great long-range finish which the Egyptian keeper couldn't save. Two games, four points. Spain were on fire. And the third game followed suit. Spain battled the surprising team of Qatar, who would move on to the next round in second place, and had to make an extra effort to beat them 2-0 with goals by Alfonso Pérez, who would eventually become a Real Betis legend, and an amazing Kiko Narvaez finishing the second half, chipping the ball over the keeper. So, three games, three wins, Spain were unstoppable in the group stage. Stadio Luis Casanova was ready to rumble on August 1st, 1992, when one of the country's traditional foes, Italy, set foot in Valencia. The quarterfinal clash of the Titans was a feisty, tense game, which was eventually unbalanced by a single play. Chichi Soler recovered the ball when pressing and delivered a clinical assist to Kiko's run, who again finished even more clinically in the 38th minute to put Spain ahead. 1-0, it was more than enough. Spain moved on to the semi-finals, where one of the more impressive teams of the tournament, Ghana, had run circles around Paraguay in the previous round and won 4-2. The final game for the Spanish national team in Valencia took place August 5th, 1992, and the ground was packed with fans, around 40,000 strong, which is the attendance, by the way, Mestalla usually has nowadays in big games. Spain battled the more powerful Ghana by using their wits, technical quality and also, you know, set pieces, which allowed current manager Abelardo to score the opener after Guardiola's cross. In the second half, Berges got his second goal in the tournament with a rocket from outside the box. 2-0, Spain were on the final and the run in Estadio Luis Casanova had been impeccable. Five games, five wins, five clean sheets. The ground, whose naming reversed back to Estadio de Mestalla again only two years later, had proven once again its Estadio Talisman quality. So Spain were in the final. They were leaving Valencia behind to play this gold medal match at the Camp Nou. We'll be talking all about that in part two of this podcast, which is coming up just after this break.
Hello and welcome back to this episode about Spain's footballing gold medal at the 1992 Summer Olympics held in Barcelona. We heard in part one that all of the team's matches up to the final were actually held in Valencia, but this final was going to be played at the Camp Nou. A rush for tickets since Spain qualified for this Olympic football final means that Barcelona's 120,000 capacity New Camp Stadium is virtually full tonight for what is in effect an under-23 international against Poland. This ended up being one of the most fun finals in a long time as Spain and Poland played out a five-goal thriller. With just 15 minutes to go, it was 2-2. That's because Poland, well, they'd gone ahead through a Kowalczyk goal, making the most of a defensive error. And then they fell behind to Abelardo and Kiko goals, a header, and then Kiko pinching it inside the area and finishing. Poland did then restore parity via Staniak, but there was to be one more goal. Minuto ya 45 de esta segunda parte. Y aquí es Guita Corna que posee la última oportunidad del equipo español. Se apropa López, se apropa Velardo, siempre al primer pal Kiko. Alianzamen, la pilota ha pasado, atención a la rematada, atención que puede marcar España. ¡Y gol, 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 gol! ¡Gol del Kiko! ¡Gol del Kiko! Minuto 40 del partido, minuto 45 de la segunda parte. The last opportunity for Spain, the commentator said, as the home team prepared to take that last-minute corner. They sure made the most of that opportunity. Again, it was Kiko, the kid from Cadiz. He won gold for Spain in the opposite corner of the country, pouncing on a rebounded Luis Enrique shot at that last-minute corner, and he fired into the net at the south goal of the Camp Nou. Spain were champions, champions at the Olympics in football for the first time. It's now 28 years since that special moment we just heard, where a Catalan commentator went wild with delight at a goal from a kid from Cadiz that sent Spain flags flying at the Camp Nou. Yes, quite a moment. So, does the impact of those games live on? We're going to talk a little about the legacy now of the 1992 Olympic Games in Barcelona, and who better to speak to than Barcelona-based Roman de Arquer, who grew up in a post-Olympics Barcelona, a very different city to the one before. The Olympic Games in Spain are definitely one of the best things that could have happened to Barcelona because it literally put the city on the world map and made it what it is today. Not just in terms of popularity and international exposure, but also the vast improvements in its infrastructure and accessibility. And Barcelona made the most of that momentum to keep growing and improving until nowadays. But it was also a fantastic boost for Spain, mainly in terms of their sports development. They achieved a total of 22 medals in those Olympics and would begin to have a lot of more protagonism in many other sports in years to come. Among those 22 medals, the golden one achieved by Spain's football squad definitely stands out. Previously, Spain had only achieved a silver medal in, in this sport and that dates back to the 1920 Olympics in Antwerp, Belgium. But returning to the 1992 Olympics, the football team probably experienced one of the most surprising moments of those games when they played against Poland at the Camp Nou. Around 95,000 fans joined in a very festive mood, including the presence of the King of Spain. This was by far the highest attendance record among all the sports during the Olympic Games in Barcelona. But furthermore, Spanish flags could be seen way throughout the whole stadium. An outstanding amount of support for the Spanish team was present. Something which would be quite unthinkable today, keeping in mind the current political tensions between Catalonia and Spain. 
But Santi Cañizares has really good memories of this and said it was one of the few times he's seen the country so united. It's also important to point out that during these games, the new under-23 rule was implemented by FIFA for the first time. Youth over experienced players. This gave Spain's younger talents a great opportunity to step up for their country. Players like Pep Guardiola, Luis Enrique, Abelardo or Roberto Solazabal, the captain, had to be the new faces of Spain. While a great chance, it also meant added pressure for such a young team. But they proved to be a very mature side and also had unexpected help from a couple of psychologists. Nowadays, it isn't surprising to have them working side by side with the players, but back then that was something unseen, at least in Spain. Vicente Miera, the man who coached Spain to the gold medal, had been looking carefully into other leagues and countries and decided to implement these figures to the team, as well as a physiotherapist. It worked and began to gain popularity ever since in Spain. Overall, the Spanish national side exceeded all expectations by conquering that gold medal, but unfortunately this winning mentality never really caught on. In the upcoming years, players like Guardiola, Kiko, Cañizares or Amavisca, all part of that 1992 winning side, made their debut with Spain's main national team. But unfortunately they weren't capable of having the impact fans might have hoped for. Roman touched there on the way the city itself changed because of the Olympics. Here's a clip from the Olympic Channel featuring British triple jumper Jonathan Edwards. He explains a bit more here. The tangible legacy of sporting infrastructure is, in many ways, the most straightforward part. You have to build venues to stage the games. But in 1992, Barcelona took this whole concept of Olympic legacy to another level. Their approach in staging the games was to be a turning point in the way that a host city could use the Olympics to not just provide new sports facilities, but to transform its urban landscape, strengthen its position on the world map, and create broader social and environmental benefits. Barcelona completely overhauled the city in preparing for the games. Before the Olympics, the coast was hardly used, but they put the Olympic village down by the port, they created a marina, and they basically built a beach. The beach I'm sure many of you have been on if you've been to Barcelona. It wasn't just that, they put in an investment in the area by the coast to build apartments, they improved some of the city's parks, they also completely renovated the Olympic Stadium in the Montjuic part of the city, the stadium currently known as the Estadi Olympic Luis Companies. This wasn't used for football in the tournament because this is where the track and field events were held. But this is a stadium that went on to become Espanyol Stadium between 1997 and 2009. That stadium has also hosted all sorts of other sporting events since the Olympics from Catalan Dragons Rugby League games to the 2004 Copa del Rey final to even some American football games between the San Francisco 49ers and Pittsburgh Steelers and Los Angeles Raiders and Denver Broncos. The Olympics had a profound impact on the city of Barcelona and on Spain as a whole and, as we've discussed in this podcast, that summer also brought about Spain's only ever gold medal in the Olympics football tournament. My thanks go out to Matt Clark, Paco Pollitt and Roman de Arker for their contributions in this podcast as we went over this special story. My thanks also, of course, go out to you for listening. We hope you'll join us again next time. <laughs>